Okay, hello and welcome everyone live to the January 2019 hashtag exchange SA chat, giving you an inside look at residency. So my name is Kyle Stapleton. I'm the director of communications of the APTA Student Assembly Board of Directors, and I am joined today by the lovely Brooke Janicki. She's a physical therapist and the orthopedic physical therapy residence program director at the very popular company Evidence in Motion. So thank you, Brooke, for, for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So uh, if you haven't been part of an exchange chat before, um, you can interact with us on Facebook Live, so you can post right into the comments. Um, and there's also a Twitter conversation happening right now as well, so if you, follow, you can follow the hashtag ExchangeSA right there. Um, yeah, Brooke, so could you just like, talk a little bit about your background? Um, you know, we know you wrote a Pulse piece about the five W's, or the five W's and H's of residencies. Um, so could you just talk, elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I'm a practicing PT as well. So I practice in Baltimore, Maryland, um, a couple of hours a week. I am full-time with evidence in motion, um, looking at the accredited programs as a whole for them. Um, and then, of course, being the orthopedic residency director. Um, you and I, are, um, I'm kind of switching places for you tonight. I'm feeling a little nostalgic. Um, a million years ago, I was the director of communications for the Student Assembly Board of Directors. Um, and so this is kind of fun to be able to, to switch back and forth. Just kind of full circle, you know. That's what Yeah, just all coming full circle. That's what, that's what makes it beautiful when it comes full circle because that's, you know, you've been very involved. So that's when you know you've been very involved, which is great. So that's great. Um, so, yeah, we want to. And we'd like to know if anyone else is on as well. So if you're a physical therapist, physical therapist assistant, uh, we'd love to know, you know who's on and get, and get a gauge on, on who's coming on and watching. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. So we'll start with some questions. So just kind of like a basic, just kind of warming everyone up a little bit. So, Brooke, can you talk a little bit about just what a residency is in general? Yeah, so a residency is a post-professional program that really just helps you to develop a sound and up-to-date knowledge base in your specialty practice area. Awesome. And that'll apply and in the clinic, I mean, all those good things as well. You got it. You got it. So, yeah, post-professional, it's usually, it depends, it depends on the length, but it essentially just allows you to specialize. You know, it allows, if someone has a, an interest in what they want to specialize in, they can opt to do a residency. Um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much like a little bit of a highlight of what it is. Um, so one common question that individuals are always speaking about. So, you know, when applying, when individuals are applying for residencies and you're assessing their applications, what are your top deciding factors or what are things that you like to see on applications or resumes that maybe distinguish one applicant from another applicant? For sure. So, I mean, I feel like everyone starts to worry about grades, right? I mean, of course, you need to pass, right? You need to get through school and you need to pass. Um, we also look at your leadership positions, but really, I feel like at EIM, what we're looking at is the reasons, um, you know, why you want to do a, a residency. We're looking at the whole person, not just trying to poke holes in your resume. Right. No, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, you got to try to try to be as like very well-rounded as you can, you know, and that's, and I think that's the best set of advice you can have, you know, to try to your best to, you know, go through school and then ultimately pass the boards and try to engage as many things as possible to help route round your application as best as you can. So I think that's a, that's a really great response. Absolutely. So when someone completes a residency, you know, what are some opportunities for, for growth that, you know, individuals have after they complete their residencies? 
Yeah, so we survey our grads every year, and what we've learned is that our grads say that when they complete the residency, um, you know, that that was the starting point for a lot of achievements, um, you know, and opportunities that they didn't think they would have otherwise. From promotions and raises, they're doing research, um, they're getting teaching opportunities, and some are even, even starting their own clinics. So, you know, I mean, you finished school, you did great in school, and you, you've just really proven yourself because you, you know, are, are willing to take your education to the next level. And I feel like that just puts you, you know, just that much further ahead. Right, right, exactly. And so, you know, what are, you know, what, what another thing that's like kind of big that's talking about with individuals of residence, um, what does a salary look like for residents? Do they have a salary while they're, while they're in residency or are they just kind of working for free? Absolutely. You have to get paid something, right? You didn't just go to school for three years for two to three years for no reason. So typically at EIM, um, the vast majority of our employers have agreed to pay the residency tuition, but the resident can, uh, they earn a salary that's typically 60 to 70% of what an entry level PT's um, compensation would be, especially in outpatient. And that's looking at um, orthopedics because that's for my my mind goes to. However, you know, once you graduate, usually the employer and the resident sit down and that's when they discuss the that increase, hopefully uh, back up a little bit above the entry level pay that um, that was deducted from in the beginning. So typically right. 60 to 70 percent. Right. So, so that's, that's kind of a common theme that you'll see around 60 to 70 percent. And especially for evidence in motion, that's a you know, common you know, range that you'll see for, for a resident in regards to salary. So that's one good thing to keep in your back pocket when you're, you know, thinking about applying for residencies, uh, you got to consider everything. You know, it's all the mentorship. And that, and that's a, a really great question to ask. And I know it's not all about the money, but I mean, we all went to DPT school, right? Or most people who are on this right now did anyways. Um, and you come out of school with with a lot of debt. You know, so mm-hmm. that is something that you really do need to look at and make sure that it's a good financial you know, decision for you and your family in your future. Um, of course, I want everyone to do residency. Um, look, another little plug here for EIM, but we um, do allow um, monthly payments versus paying for it all at once. And I'm sure a lot of other companies do as well, but that's the thing that the vast majority, you know, of our residents do use if they're paying for it on their own. Right. And, that, and that's actually kind of a good segue into the next question. So we know that, you know, common theme nowadays is student loans are increasing and increasing and it seems like they're never going to end. So what do individuals, you know, how do they find paying the residency fee along with trying to pay off their student loans? Yeah, I mean, again, that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about is, you know, really sitting down and, you know, looking at your debts and your ability to live comfortably. I mean, I try to tell students, you know, you've already kind of been poor for the most part for the last three years or two to three years. So really, um, you know, what's one more year in the grand scheme of things if you go right out of school, but it's definitely a very personal decision that someone needs to sit down and make. Um, And, you know, that's something you need to talk to your employer about. If you have a spouse, most definitely with them. Um, But I mean, so many people go through residency now that's usually not something that people have a hard time with. Um, You can sometimes defer your loans while you're in residency, but that is very specific to who owns your loan or who, who supplies your loan. So that's, it's not across the board. Right. Okay. That's exactly right. And, you know, just for our viewers. So, you know, whoever's joining us today, you know, drop into the comments. If you have any, you know, questions that you would like to be answered, um, you know, put them right into the comments and and we'll pose them to Brooke. You know, we want to try to make this as good for you guys as we can. So, you know, roll those questions to the comments. You can use the hashtag exchange SA hashtag on, on Twitter. And, you know, we can roll those questions through and get them answered for you guys. So hopefully we'll see some, hopefully we'll see some more of those. 
So, you know, we also know the football games going on. So if you don't get your chance to ask your questions now um, and you're coming to CSM, um, I'll be there. And you cut out earlier. Did you give them my Twitter handle? No. Yeah, you can give them if you want to give okay, them uh, your just, Twitter it's handle. It's super easy. It's just at Brooke Janke. So at me. I'm in my inbox if you think of something later. I'm a Twitter nerd, too. Usually just lurking these days. I'm kind of getting back into it. But, um, but yeah, feel free to ask me questions during and after this. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so you cut out a little bit right there. So it's, oh. it's at Brooke Janicki. So just her first name and her last name. Um, and you can shoot her a message, um, you know, whatever you want to do. She'd be happy to answer your questions on um, a direct message basis. Um, so that's great. So, you know, what are the differences in residencies that um, maybe new grads or people just coming out of PT school, um, what are the differences that we should start looking into, students should start looking into? So, I mean, residencies vary drastically, right? So there are 264 residencies, um, accredited residencies, the last time I looked, in 11 different specialties. So, I mean, that, you know, that's a lot, right? So a couple of things that I tell um, students to look at. Um, if you would like to teach, Right. You need to make sure there's opportunities for that. Um, a lot of students are looking for a multidisciplinary approach. So if you're getting to, you know, to work with other healthcare professionals, um, what the curriculum looks like. So I think all programs have their curriculum listed. So you need to go through and make sure, you know, that that's something that's interesting to you. Um, of course, the cost. Right? and making sure that it's a good financial decision, like we talked about before. Um, the locations, where was it at? Um, you know, and that's the beauty, again, of our program. Um, the hybrid versus brick and mortar. Um, you know, not everyone has the luxury of being able to you know, uproot their family or just themselves and move across the country for a year. Um, if you want to do research, you know, that's definitely something else to look at. And then um, you know, your, their teaching and your learning styles. You know, so those are always, those are a handful of things that I always tell residents to look at. Yeah, those are, the, the, those are really good points to try to keep in your back pocket you know, when you're searching for residencies, if you want to do one, you know, after you graduate and you pass the boards, there's some good things to keep in your back pocket when you're looking through different programs and you're kind of weighing, you're kind of weighing the pros and cons of each. And that actually, and I, oh, no, I was going to say, I feel like I missed out on like the best part about residency too, is what your mentorship is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Who is your mentor? You know, what does that look like in your schedule? Um, you know, I feel that that is one of the main reasons um, that I you know, suggest residency to people. It's something that I wish I would have known more about um, as a new PT, because my first year would have looked a lot different, um, you know, and just making sure that, you know, it's a mentor that you're going to mesh well with um, and that, you know, learning styles and feedback styles, you know, all things to look at. Right, right. No, that's exactly true. Um, one individual named Alex, um, he wants to know, so he says, Obviously, a residency will take your knowledge to the next step, so we, we know all about that. But he wants to know if you can speak to the earning potential, specifically um, for ortho, if you get this distinction. Um, he says, so basically, is it worth it in the long run? So I guess maybe he's saying here, if you, do, if you do a residency, is there kind of any gain that you'll have in regards to earnings as opposed to someone who doesn't do a residency, specifically for ortho? Yeah, so typically we do see that with our residents. So we do, like I said before, we um, survey all of our graduates at, you know, whenever they're done and we ask them, you know, if they got raises and the vast majority of them did get pretty significant raises when they're done. Um, I know a lot of clinics that is also um, like a minimum requirement to be able to come from say PT1 to PT2. Um, so, you know, those are some things that you would have to look at in your specific clinic and company as well. But yes, the answer 
the short answer is yes. Um, if anyone wants to do um, that research study with me, I'm in. Let's start looking at it. Um, or if there's already one out there that I don't know about, I would love for someone to, to tweet it to me. Right, right, exactly. That's great. That's great. Um, so Jake wants to know. So Jake says, do you see, do you see residency slash specialization? So I guess OCS, NCS, so things like that, um, becoming the norm as physical therapists strive to move into more primary care roles. Jake, I love that question. And, and I think as a, a profession as a whole, I think that's something that we're shifting to. And we are seeing more and more students, you know, interested in residencies and fellowships and, you know, OCS and NCS, all of those things. But, you know, I, I don't have the exact percentage right off the top of my head, but it's less than 10 percent of physical therapists, I believe. Don't give, don't give me exactly 10, but um, our specialists, you know, hold their board certifications. So, I mean, if we want to be seen as that primary care role in our communities, I think that that's something that we all do need to be. Right, right. Absolutely. And that's, you yeah. know, that's definitely a really good point because I feel like that's kind of the, the thing we see. We see physical therapists becoming more into the primary care role. So a lot of individuals are going to see physical therapists for primary care. Especially in rural areas. You have to think about that too. Right? I mean, so there's, there's nothing wrong, you know, with the generalist, you know, PT of course, but um, you know, especially in rural areas when people, you know, may not be able to get to any other orthopedic specialist. Um, you know, it's nice to have one of those in, in your backyard. Right. And that's and that's really good. Why, you know, physical therapists are even in PT school, the the education in, in musculoskeletal is, is very solid. It's very has a good foundation. So I think that's kind of good. Us as movement specialists, we're able to pick up on those things and we can act as, you know, those primary care stabilizers for individuals in those rural areas who may not be able to get to get to as a doctor as easily as opposed to someone who's in more suburban or urban areas. So that's actually, that's a really good point. I really like that. Yeah. Great. Great. So Roxanne Eugene. So she wants to know, and I guess we can just associate this to EIM because you know, you know, you know most about EIM. What is the average range for a residency fee? So, I mean, they, are vastly different across the board. Typically, you're going to see a residency cost, I believe, between 10 and maybe 14 grand. Um, I, that is a that is a ballpark answer. So you can see all of those things if you go to ABPTRFE. <laughs> if you go to there, I know that's like the longest acronym ever. Um, you can go to their website and you can search all of the different programs. They have a list of all of their accredited programs by specialty and by location. So you can go through and kind of filter through them. But I mean, you have to think about what's being offered in the different programs as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. And to, to clarify a little bit, so you would be paying that roughly ten dollars to $14,000 in addition um, to, so you're only making 60 to 70% of what an entry level PT would be making. Who's not completing a residency. You would have to pay that, you know, $12,000 on top of that, right? No, 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 okay, no, no. So, so in our model, typically what happens is you're taking that decreased salary and your company is paying your tuition fee. But other things you have to think about, you know, and kind of take into consideration there is they're also having to pay your mentor because you have those, you know, the minimum of the 150 one-to-one -one mentoring hours, a hundred of those where you have to be leading the case. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're paying a, a, a PT to be there with you as well. So that's right. something that you have to think about when you're, you know, kind of taking some of that stuff into consideration as far as the, the payments for residency goes. 
Right. And yeah, that's actually really good because that was actually unbeknownst to me. So I didn't know that. So that's why, you know, these chats are great because you're able to clarify these types of things and it gives you much more of an insight, you know, of all the details, um, things like residency or anything else. That's why I really like this. That's a really yeah. good answer. And again, that that's just our company. Right. So so other you know residencies may be different. I think that's kind of the standard right? is that you take that decrease in pay. Um, but look and ask those questions before you sign your name on the line. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Good. Um, so Jessica says, uh, she wants to know, do you recommend completing a residency right after physical therapy school, or do you also recommend um, doing it maybe like 20 years down the line? So most residents start within three years, right? So because that's most PTs, you know, or a lot of them come out of school, right? And they know what they want to specialize in. But some like to take a couple of years to practice in different areas and different settings. So the vast majority of our residents start within three years, most within one. Um, but we do have PTs who come back and, you know, 10 years out and decide, you know, that they want to sharpen up their skills or they've really decided where they wanted to settle in in PT. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, you're already in the student mindset like we were talking about with money and everything else right out of school. Um, so I suggest starting as quickly as you can, um, you know, with, we have rolling admissions. So that's something that you have to look at in places, you know, some brick and mortar and some hybrid that don't have rolling admissions because we accept four times a year. So you could, you know, graduate, take three months to get acclimated into your clinic and then start residency. So, um, you know, that's when you have to start looking at the different types of models of residency as well. Great, good, yeah, and that's yeah, that's definitely one thing to consider. You're gonna, uh, you know, look at the different realms and you know the different high, the different models, like you said, of residency, because you've got to kind of see what fits you best and what fits your learning best as a student. If you like to complete, um, you know, things as as quickly as possible, and you do it in the shortest amount of time frame, or if you have if you need more time to do other things, maybe you opt for for more of a longer time. And I think that actually segues good into our next question. So, how long do you have to complete a you know a residency? So the shortest amount of time you can complete a residency is nine months. If you do that, you're a rock star. I like bow down to you being able to finish all of those requirements in nine months. Most residents finish um, within 12 to 15 months. However, you have up to three years to complete a residency. So um, we have two models at EIM. You know, one's the traditional where most finish, you know, in 12 to 15 months. Um, and then we also have a flexible model for those, you know, maybe who are starting a family or who are going into um, a new role in their clinic, um, different things like that. Or if you, um, you know, you could start out in the traditional role and Lord forbid something um, happens in your family where you need to take a break. You can take a break um, and come back, but you just have to complete it within three years. Right. So so three years is kind of that magic number. But you, like you yeah. said, you kind of see that range of nine months to three years. So, again, yep. it fits whatever criteria you want as a as a new grad. If you kind of want to if you want to bang it out really quickly and, and really be intensive while doing it, you can do that in the nine months. But like but like you said, if you're, for example, you know, gaining a new role in the clinic, maybe you want to opt for something a little bit longer, um, yep. which is go ahead. Oh, no, no I was just agreeing. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and then I know Evidence in Motion has a model, and you'll have to clarify for us, um, where you can become a resident at a play, at a you know clinic that you were employed for or you got employed for full time. So how does how does how does that work? Yeah, so since we are hybrid, um, the vast majority of our coursework is online. So what happens a lot of the times is students um, come to us with a you know an OCS. Um, 
PT who's willing to mentor them in their clinic. Um, you know, of course, they have to go through, you know, an approval process um, for us and through the accrediting body, that really long um, list of letters that I gave you a minute ago. Um, and then you do your coursework through us online. You go to four weekend intensives um, for our management courses. So you're still getting... Um, you know, that hands-on experience as well and with, you know, other residents um, and other EIM students. Um, and then I'm trying to think, what am I missing? So. Is it weekend? Do you have weekend intensive courses yeah, so, as well? Yes. Yeah, so the weekend intensives go along with those four management courses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. And it's probably, you know, you probably know more about orthopedics. So for orthopedics, yeah. you'd probably do maybe like the lumbo pelvic spine one weekend intensive and then a different yeah. one. It will do so, cervical spine. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, cervical, thoracic, lumbar spine, upper extremity and lower extremities are those four main management courses. And then you have the weekends that go along with them. So what's really cool about those is that they're hosted all over the country. So you get to pick where you go. We're not just plugging you in somewhere. So um, the vast majority of our residents find um, one that's close to them, usually within driving distance, so that they have minimal time um, having to use their PTO to go to those weekends. Right, exactly. That makes sense. Are in some aspects or in some cases, are those weekend intensives? Could they be in the in the same clinic that you're actually working for? Some sometimes they are because a lot of uh, a lot of the times, if um, a company is having a lot of residents coming through, they will. Um, come to us and we can kind of help help set some of them up just depends on you know the which company you're with right right no that's that's really good so and everyone can kind of see that there's so many different realms and there's so many different um you know areas of residency there's you know different examples of each and there's different models so you can kind of get like a little bit of a gauge on what can fit you best and what you could possibly find out there when you're considering yeah. residencies so that's really good and i think that's good to point out to you know to the students watching that there's so many different models, there's so many different ways to go about it, and you know the opportunities are endless, and you can really find your your perfect one. So I think that's really good. Yeah, a question that I got um, on Twitter, I was trying to find it um, a second ago, and I couldn't find the handle of the person who asked. Um, but they asked when you know should you start looking at residencies, mm -hmm. and I, I mean you should really start looking early, right? I mean you're not going to apply or anything like that right away, but these are the types of things that you need to start looking at. Um, you know, really early on um, and then trying to get your clinical rotations in these different areas of practice that you think you may want to go in um, so that you can kind of start you know, making your pros and cons list for you. Know, right. What kind of program fits you best? Yeah, because, that's and I tell students all the time, hybrid education is not for everyone. It's not. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of PT schools are starting to integrate a lot of hybrid learning. Um, but at the end of the day, I just want people to do residency when it comes down to it. So, of course, I want you to come with me and do ortho residency at EIM or any of our residencies. Um, but, again, it's not for everyone. So it's something that you need to start looking at. Right. And a really important thing that you said is, <clears throat> you know, looking at residencies, the most important thing is to start looking now. And so I think it's good for all of our viewers to know that we have CSM coming up in just, you know, three days now. So this is a really good opportunity to go up to, you know, the residency directors, Evidence in Motion and other different um, residency companies and start talking to them, start networking with them, introduce yourself and, you know, have a conversation with them, you know, talk to them about what their what their, you know, specific programs entail. And then in your own, you know, your own free time, you can start weighing the pros and cons of each, which is great. 
Yeah, and then something also to think about, and I know NSC just happened and we had a great turnout um, at the residencies and fellowships meet and greet there. Unfortunately, it got moved from CSM to NSC, so there's not one specific at CSM, but um, start thinking about maybe going to NSC. Um, it's in... Where's it at? Albuquerque, Albuquerque, right? Yeah, Albuquerque, yeah. New Mexico um, in October. So that's just a, another opportunity of it's like um, tables are set up everywhere. There's like little shows, there's little food. Everyone's kind of hanging out. So it's a little bit um, of, a, of a nicer way to kind of get to get in there and get to know people as well and just ask your questions. But there are going to be so many, you know, different companies and hospitals that are that have residencies and they want to talk to you they want to answer your questions um, because they want to help you make you know a sound judgment when it comes to residency so do it and we had a similar degree this past um, NSC in Providence right we yeah. all the, all so the that's where down. it's hosted every year so it's hosted in um, at NSC now mm -hmm. so um, so it'll be again so go to NSC too especially if you can't go to CSM NSC will change your life so that's my little plug for NSC, still my favorite conference, even as a practicing PT, still by far my favorite conference. Love CSM, but NSC is where it's at. Right. No, exactly. Right. NSC is just, this is, it's the conference that's made by students for students. So, you know, it's got to be the student's favorite. But, you know, and, and just clarifying. So at CSM, there will be, there will be residency directors at, C, at CSM as well in the exhibit yes. hall. So yeah. good two opportunities that you have for talking to residency program directors. They will be at CSM. There won't be a specific meet and greet for it at CSM, mm -hmm. but they will be in the exhibit hall. So you will be able to talk to them. So just good information for the audience to have when they're in their travels to CSM and or NSC, which is great. Yeah, I know I'm a little ahead of time. Wanting everyone to go to Albuquerque. But... <laughs> That's OK. We can, it's never too early to start advertising. Never start too early. Never start. Never early. There you go. <laughs> um, so one person, one individual says uh, her name's Kim. She says, is there a big distinction between private clinics that offer residency versus hospital, versus hospital systems? And again, yeah, I mean, yes, of course, right? I mean, so a lot of those you have to, you would want to check and see um, their accrediting status if that's something that is important to you because a residency has to be accredited for you to be able to sit for, say, OCS, for you to be able to sit by residency graduation versus being able to sit by hours. And that'll make a little bit more sense to you when you start kind of looking into sitting for. So like for the OCS, you have two routes to be able to take the test. One is by um, clinical hours and one is if you did a residency. So the residency is obviously your fast track. Um, so that's something to look into because a lot of clinics may have a residency, but it may or may not be accredited. Right. Right. And that's actually that actually goes well into Emmy's question. So she would say, like you said before, you, the way you can go on to track for specializations for an OCS example, for example, is you can do a residency, which is kind of that fast track, like you said. But mm -hmm. you can also gain those clinical hours. So what are the pros and cons for each? So she's, and this is kind of the main overarching topic of the chat. So she wants to know yeah. what are the pros and cons between doing residency and completing those clinical hours for the section of specialization or expertise? So I really feel like, you know, there's a lot of different reasons that PTs go on to do residency, but in my heart, and I think in the vast majority of residents, it really comes down to the mentorship, right? It is, I call it like a, um, an internship on steroids, right? Because you're leading the care, but you still have someone there with you for that whole year. Um, you know, so you have an experienced clinician at your fingertips, um, you know, throughout the entire time, but you still get that, you know, minimum of 150 one-to-one -one mentoring hours. So it's just like an advanced version of your, um, 
your internship. So I really think that that is like number one when it comes to doing a residency. Of course, you're going to, you know, learn and fine tune your hands on skills. And um, of course, you know, learn all the new research and all that great stuff. All that's wonderful. Right. But you can get that in um, continuing ed classes, but you can't get mentorship in a con ed class or in a prep course for a specialty exam. Right. And that's actually, so, you know, we talked about this beforehand, um, before we went live here, but, you know, at NSC, when I was talking to the students at NSC, that was, honestly, that was probably the main thing that, that students wanted coming out of school. And whether it was looking for residency or just starting immediately, they wanted to, some, they wanted to have that mentor. They wanted to have that someone that would kind of take them under their wing and, and, and you know, not, not like show them how to, you know, conduct themselves as, an, as a new grad, as a PT, but kind of, you know, take them under their wing, kind of show, show them the ropes a little bit, you know really, you know, hone in how to be a clinician, you know, how to really start being a clinician. Cause that's kind of, you know, during the headlights, it's like, Oh, I'm not a student anymore. You know, I'm a, I'm an actual clinician now. Um, so I think that was, that's definitely the number one thing that I've heard from students. Um, at yeah, and just, yeah. Just gaining that confidence. I mean, I, I can't say, you know, enough about, you know, your first year as a PT is crazy anyways. Right. So having someone, you know, like I said, at your fingertips and able to answer those questions when you have something you are someone who walks in with something that kind of blows your mind, right? Um, and I feel like a lot of times with new grads, what happens with companies is they promise you mentorship, right? They say, you're going to get mentorship through your entire time. But if you ask a lot of PTs what ends up happening once you're carrying a full caseload, is that kind of starts to be chipped away at, right? And again, with residency, you have a minimum that you have to hit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and so typically, I mean, that looks like for most of our residents, like two to four hours a week. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little different depending on, you know, where people are at in the clinic. Sometimes their mentor will come and work with them for a week straight if that's their learning style. Mm-hmm. Or you know, but most residents um, prefer to have, you know, a little bit over that one year time frame. Right. Yeah. It, it spaces out a little bit, a little bit better for them, too. So mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense why maybe they go for a little bit longer than that one year time frame. But that's really yeah. the, the big thing with residency. Build your confidence, you know, build your confidence coming right out of school, especially if you opt to do it right out of school. It really builds that confidence into becoming, you know, a, an entry level PT your, 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 your first year out. So I think that's a, that's really good. And that's one good key pro to, to residencies is it really builds, um, you know, that clinical expertise and that clinical confidence. That's that's great. Yeah. Um, so Gus says, he says, in your opinion, and this is actually a very good question, will it be a requirement in the future to do residencies in order to practice as a PT later on? I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. I hope it does. Um, so I'm going to go, in my opinion, yes, that is where we're headed. Um, you know, a lot of things have to line up for that, you know, to happen. But, um, but I do think it's going to continue to get more common um, and then it's just going to be the standard. Yeah, right. Because we see we see so many more PTs, you know, you know, coming in and specializing um, in their in their you know their careers. And I think I think I read somewhere that we have the most specialized PT now more than ever. You know, more people yep. are getting their their specializations. And one of the one of the two ways to getting that is is opting for residency. So I think that's one thing we are going to see. You know, coming to fruition is more and more people are going to be completing their residencies. Maybe maybe not as a requirement in any in any part of the near future, but it's definitely, you know, something that people are opting more and more for 
Um, yeah, so it's the kind of shift that, that we're heading towards. Right. It's kind of the shift that we're heading towards. We kind of see that more and more. So I think that's that's really good for, for students to have a little bit more of a handle on and the students that are maybe just starting PT school or thinking about becoming PTs. This is why these chats are good for them as well. They're good for students who are thinking about becoming PTs because they can kind of see gauge of where we're going as a profession, where we're going as a you know professional organization. So I think yep. that's really great. Um, so Kate says, uh, pros and, what are the pros and cons of looking for a residency in the state or region where you want to practice? Pros or cons? I mean, again, I think that comes to personal preference, right? Mm. I mean, if, if you need to stay close to family, right? I mean, obviously you're going to look, you know, where you're, where you're currently at. If you're going to do something like one of our models where you are working, where you do residency, then obviously, you know, you want to be in an area where you, where you want to live. Um, but in some of the brick and mortar residencies, um, I mean, if, if you're willing to pick up and, and move wherever, I mean, I don't really see there, there being an issue there. So I don't, I mean, unless you're, you know, looking for somewhere where you want to get a job right afterwards, you know, so that may be, you know, kind of an area that you want to look in, but, um, for the most part, that's personal preference. I don't really think there's, there's too many cons to that. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> Especially with evidence in motion. I mean, they have, you guys have programs all across the country. So, you know, if you're located in Massachusetts and you're thinking about relocating down, down south, maybe Texas, Louisiana, states like that, you can, re, you can do in your research. You can look for residencies that are accredited down there and you can opt for applying to those. And, and again, that's like you said, it's just up for personal preference. So it's more of a personal preference question. It's whatever you think is best for you. And if you see yourself relocating in the future, then, then maybe that's something you want to consider. Yeah, that's Definitely. Definitely. Um, so this is that, this is a really good question. So this is from Felicia. She says, uh, how would you recommend picking a residency if you have multiple interests such as orthopedics, pediatrics, or neuro? That is a great question. So I think we touched on that just a little bit earlier. Um, and I think what you do is you make that list, right? And that's when you kind of go through and you try to get your clinical rotations in those different areas of practice. If that doesn't happen, that is when I suggest you coming out of school and working in those different areas for a little while, right? Like I said, typical residence starts within three years, but that doesn't mean that you have to. So making sure that you get out, I mean, because it's one year of your life and, you know, it's it's money. I mean, there's a lot kind of on the line whenever you do pick a residency. So, you know, really taking the time and doing your research, um, you know, whether that be during your clinical rotations or um, when you're practicing PT. And just kind of trying those different areas. Also, you can get all the board specialties that you want. So you could, yeah, I mean, you could go in and decide to do ortho, um, get your OCS, and then um, not do another residency, of course. But um, you could also go on and get your NCS or your SCS, any of those as well. But but definitely making sure that you do your research. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's, that's a really solid point that you brought up because that actually hits home personally. So. I'm primarily interested in orthopedics right now, just, you know, as of right now. So I'm thinking of going down the, you know, the orthopedic route for physical therapy, but I also have an interest in sports and I'm not, not sure really, you know, where that interest is yet. So that's why maybe when I'm, when I'm applying for my clinicals, my clinical rotations, I might, you know, consider sports as one just to kind of get a feel for it and, and see how much I like it, you know, and that's, and that's, I think everyone should do that, you know, as a, as a physical therapy student, there's kind of two, two or three areas that you're really you know, considering working as a, as a PT, maybe you try doing, you know, your choice clinical rotation in that area. Um, maybe you only get to do one though. So maybe mm -hmm. you come out of school, you have a better idea. You come out of school and like you said, within three years, is when people usually start residency. 
So within those three years, they can, you know, test the waters of where they think is best um, for, you know, for where they want to go with their, with their clinical career. That's why I like physical therapy because you have all that flexibility there and, you know, you can always change no matter what the, you know, the time frame is. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Um, so, you know, we're halfway through the chat, so 36 minutes in. So, um, you know, keep dropping your questions into the comments, guys. We really want to, we've had some great inflow of questions and we want to keep them going here. Um, so use the, the hashtag, hashtag exchange essay, and we'll keep rolling them out for Brooke because I think this is uh, very productive. We're getting a lot of great information tonight. Um, so thank you guys for, for asking all your questions. So this is kind of going back a little bit. So this is Alex. He said that you said that most residents are um, right out of DPT programs within one year. Um, he said, but you also said most people see raises following their specialization. And mm -hmm. obviously the residents make 60 to 70% of a normal PT salary. Um, so he says, are these raises just from that reduced salary? Or are you talking about PTs who already had full-time jobs prior to the residency program? So I, typically what we see in, in talking to our residents and our grads is that, of course, you're then bumped back up to your normal salary, but the vast majority of them then go on to have a raise beyond what the entry level PT or whatever year they are, you know, if they've been practicing for two years, whatever that looks like in their clinic. Um, and then of course, like I said before, you know, a lot of times that is a precursor to being able to take on you know, different roles in the clinic as well, like moving kind of up the ladder there as well. So yes, typically going beyond that entry level mm -hmm. salary. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so Nick wants to know, he says, and so this is more for, for students looking to complete residency. They're, they're, you know, considering it. Um, he wants to know, how do you recommend um, that re that students who are thinking about residence, residency prepare if they're coming straight from PT school for, for the rigors of residency as opposed, you know, just coming from PT school? How is that different? So honestly, the academic part, I don't feel like is too different. Um, but one thing that you that you really need to think about is, you know, you're starting to practice and that is very different. You know, so that's something you, you need a really good support system. You need a good support system personally and you need one in your company. Um, so, I mean, I think that is the number one thing that I that I tell, you know, new PTs and you know, residents as a whole is you, know, you need to make sure that you have a good support system because you are kind of in for a ride. I mean, it is a, it's a year of, you know, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. Right. And like you said, it's kind of a year more at the minimum side. So maybe it's more of a year and a half. So like, yeah, like she said, it's getting kind of getting used to it essentially, which is great. Yeah. And that's what I think that's every part of our career, try to get used to each part of our, you know, each of our endeavors and then we become more used to it. Um, and it just feels more natural, which is great. So Gus has a follow-up question. He says, what are your thoughts on doing, and this is a really good question, what are your thoughts on doing more than one residency in your career as a physical therapist? I honestly don't personally know anyone who's ever done that, but I don't see why not. I mean, if, you know, if you want to go in and you want to get the, you know, the basics, you know, get the basics of that specialty, I mean, I'm, I don't see why not. I don't have a great answer for that because I've, I've never been asked that. But um, I, I would say that's not the common way of going about it. Um, but if you want to do more than one of our residencies, then bring it on. Right. And I think it gets back to more of that, that clinical expertise. So, you know, one thing, I, and I think I might be understanding what he's saying. So, yeah. you know, getting, I feel like getting a job in 
outpatient orthopedics might be a little bit easier than if you're trying to do some sports team hours, you know, so maybe doing a residency kind of opens up that door for getting those direct sports hours and kind of getting more of that, that sports specific, you know, specialization in those hours. So maybe it's kind of down that route a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a really good question. And I think it's a great question. So it kind of just follows back into, you know, just furthering your clinical expertise. So maybe he's thinking about furthering his clinical expertise, you know, to the point where it's very seasoned and it's, he's had it in a residency and it's been very intensive. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a great question. It's definitely doable. Um, yeah. And again, based on the individual, like we were been saying before. Yeah. And that's the great thing about residency is that, you know, there's, there's so many different programs and I know we've you know talked about this a lot tonight already, but you know, there's just so many different ways to get there. Um, you know, so it's just really about doing your homework and just what you're what you're looking for and kind of what you're willing to to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't you probably be able to answer to this more to evidence in motion specifically. But mm-hmm. Nick wants to know, can you help us understand how compensation packages differ based on part slash full benefits as far as coverage for new grads pursuing a residency? And again, since this differs from program to program. Um, what do you buy? Benefits packages, yeah, like, pro- like health insurance and things like that. Pro- yeah, probably down that that road. Yeah, benefits and do residents are they provided? Um, you know, be- you know, benefits for working as a re- as a resident. Yeah. So with us, you are a full time employee with these companies, so they have to offer you the same benefits that they offer any other full time employees, and that's mostly you know mandated by law that they have to do that. Um, but I've never had an issue with a resident who wasn't receiving you know full medical benefits and PTO and all of those things as a resident. Typically the only thing that's lessened is that salary. Is the only thing that's lessened is that salary. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes sense. And that ties back because you'll be in a hospital or a clinic or, or wherever you are and you're technically a full-time employee there. So like you said, they're mandated to provide those benefits as a full-time employee because um, you're putting in the, those full 40 hours a week or the full-time package. Um, yep. So that's actually, that's actually, that's a good question. Um, maybe our viewers were a little confused about that. So I'm happy we could clarify that for them. Yeah, and if and if it was something else that you were looking for, just tweet us again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> tweet us. You can maybe put it in the comments, and we can we can re- reevaluate the question or put it on Twitter, and uh, we'll we'll get it right back up for you. So I know we were talking about this before. So what does a typical week look like for an evidence in motion residence uh, specifically? Because I knew you can speak on that the the best. Yeah, so I wish I could screen share. And if anyone's interested, I have like actually really pretty graphic of what this kind of looks like. Um, and I can share it on my um, Twitter whenever we're done. So for a typical resident, like I'll just I'll give you a couple of days of what it should look like. So it's you're typically doing 35 to 40 hours of direct patient care. Again, this differs, you know, between um, clinics and employers and where you're at. But um, just say like on Monday from eight to five, you would be in patient care. But three to five of that, you could be doing mentorship. And then like five to six, um, you could be doing technique practice um, or problem solving and preparing for your next day with your mentor or just on your own. Um, So most students are getting, like I said, that three to five hours of mentoring time a week. Um, And a lot of the times it's like four hours of learning, like after hours kind of learning. Um, This definitely differs um, for those sports residents because they have to have athletic venue coverage as a part of their time. Um, So for most of our residents, their mentoring and their um, patient care is kind of mapped out in their schedule at work. Um, Obviously, sometimes your um, 
some of your courses meet late at night. So that may be a part of that, like four hours a week, you know, extra that you're kind of adding in into your schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, there it, it's very flexible and, you know, it kind of depends on what, what works for you. But a lot, the vast majority of the time that mentorship is built into your 40 hour work week. Right. Absolutely. No, that's great. And we have, we're having and some I'll great. I'll share that graphic too. That, that would be perfect. So our viewers can, can have access to that. That's great. So would you share, are you going to share that on Twitter? Yeah, I'll share that on my Twitter. Perfect. So you guys can visit her, her handle on Twitter and she'll put it right up there for you guys to see. So that's great. Thank you for that. Um, so we're having some great questions rolling through. So we're just going to keep rolling through these um, more rapid fire because we have, we have a good amount to still answer here. Um, so Ben, he wants to know, what are the benefits of doing a sports residency versus an orthopedic residency if um, you have your athletic training certification already? So I can't speak too much to sports. Again, I'm in um, ortho specifically. Um, I would say it depends on if you're looking to work with a um, a professional team of some sort um, that may be able to be a little bit more of an advantage for you there. Um, but you could always reach out to our sports director, um, Teresa, if you go to EIM's website, um, all of her contact information's there and she would be able to give you a little bit more there. I'm sorry. I don't want to give you any wrong information on that. Oh, that's perfect. That's great. That's what we'll do. Let's keep segueing in. So Melissa says, if you practice as a full-time physical therapist for a year or two out of school, and then you, you do a residency. Will you still have that reduced salary, 60 to 70% roughly? So I mean, that depends. It, that is between you and your employer um, or where you decide to do your residency. If you do a program other than ours, um, you would still, you, I mean, the vast majority of people will still see a reduced salary um, because they are paying for your, your, your residency and they're paying for your mentor's time as well. Um, I mean, unless you decided to pay for it yourself, which we do have some residents who decided to pay for it themselves. They decide to work for a couple of years, um, save up some money and then pay for it. So. Right. Right. Yes. And no, depending on which way you go about it. Depending on which way you go about it. Right. So it's, it's subjective. It's, it's individualized to each, each residency program. So I think that's important um, for the viewers to know that it's, it's, it's more on the individualized basis. So you have to, uh, you know, TBD to be determined on that information. Yeah, but that, those are good questions to start asking often and early when you're looking at these things, um, you know, especially if you are going to go the hybrid route. You know, you want to be at a company that's going to support you through that. Um, and those are just good questions to ask. Great. So you're not blindsided later. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's what we don't want. We don't want people to be blindsided. That's why we're having this today. And we're giving them, uh, you know, all the, all the ins and the outs of, of residency. So. We're glad we can do that for everyone today. Just good. Uh, Alex says, uh, how many residents on average do programs accept each year? So he's probably referring to more on like a clinic basis. So how, how does, you know, how many, does, how many um, applicants or residents of one clinic accept per year? So from, so I'll talk about residencies as a whole. So residency, some brick and mortar residencies take one resident a year. So again, you need to go and look at their, specifics on their websites um, and, you know, looking at app freeze, look, you know, looking through their list. Um, and we ha currently have space to take up to a hundred residents a year um, in those four cycles that are coming through, but clinic specific, it really depends on what their staffing looks like, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that changes often. So, um, so if it, if, if it's a clinic specific, um, you know, that could change day to day. Typically um, I think clinics, 
usually have, you know, one resident, you know, I, I think that is sometimes they have more, but I think that's more the norm is to have one resident coming through usually one in, in a specific yeah. in a specific clinic. Um, but again, in residencies, it is very, very different across the board. Right, because you might be maybe you're in a really, really large hospital where they they have the volume to take on maybe more than one resident. But maybe you're in more a more of an outpatient clinic that you know you'll usually just see one resident. So that kind of makes sense how it would be you know dependent on the volume and the type of clinic that you're in or hospital. So that kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah, because your mentor again, your mentoring hours have to be one to one. Right. It has to be you and your mentor working. So they have to be able to have the man or woman power um, to be able to you know staff that way. Yep, and that, that that totally makes sense. That just ties right back into the volume. They need to have the the power, the man and woman power, to um, you know go one to one with the with the resident, <clears throat> which is good. So you froze a little bit, but it's it's totally oh. okay. No, that's okay because we can still hear you. Um, okay. So, so it's all good. It's all good. I'm just wanted to this make winter sure storms like whipping through. Yeah, that's in the, where we apologize, guys, for the technical difficulties. The winter storm just hitting the east coast, um, but it's okay. We can still hear. So you know we've got full steam ahead right here. Okay. Um, so. Let's see what we can ask next. So what do you find in a, what do you find is the thing that residents value most about their experiences while, while after completing a residency, what do they, what do they value most? I really think that comes back to the confidence based on their mentorship, because you can't put a dollar amount. You can't put a price on having that support through your first year. So that is what we hear over and over again of, you know, of course, their problem solving skills, you know, and their, you know, their just clinic mindset as a whole has progressed and they've grown so much during their time in residency. But it really goes back to, you know, having that solid you know, background with your mentor. Like right. I said, can't put a dollar on that. So that is consistently what we hear across the board. Right. That's great. That's great. And I think yeah. we have I think we have time for two more questions and then then we'll start the ending announcements. Um, so one good question that, that we just got in was, are there any tips for getting the most out of your mentorship relationship during a residency? That's a good question. That is a fantastic question. And I think that really comes back to being open and honest with your with your mentor. Right. So you get in, you, you get out what you put in when it comes to that. You know, I mean, you can kind of humdrum through it. Right. You can make your time through it. But one, like you know, being prepared and, you know, just being honest and upfront with them about your learning styles and about your feedback styles and really taking that time that you get with that person. Um, you know, and like and being prepared for it, you know, obviously that's going to help you be able to get, you know, so much more out of it. Um, yeah, I think that's what I got for that one. Absolutely. That's great. And I think this is this is kind of the, the big main theme for tonight. I think this is a great send off question for everyone because um, this is ultimately what we're looking at here. So what, what do you personally what do you see that are the opportunities for growth after a residency? Why why should you do it? And what what growth is it going to have for your clinical career after you complete it? Yeah, and I, and I know some people, sorry if I'm, because I'm going to answer this one again, because we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, but, you know, we see that, you know, residents, you know, graduate and they have, you know, so many doors open for them when they're done. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, the confidence is one thing, you know, and being able to just kind of move up that career ladder. But, but, you know, getting raises and getting promotions and becoming mentors themselves, you know, being able to do research. Um, starting their own clinics and teaching opportunities. Cause a lot of the times having a specialty is um, your kind of first foot in the door um, mm -hmm. of being able to teach. So, um, 
you've already kind of distinguished yourself and kind of pulled away from the pack with, you know, such a small amount of PTs actually being specialists, um, you know, it's just going to launch your career forward from there. Exactly. That's a big thing. It's going to launch your career forward. And I think that's the main takeaway everyone should, should take away from this chat is it's really going to launch your career forward. but definitely worth doing, which is, which is good. I think we have one more um, time for just a clarification question. So Alex, he just wants to know what you mean by brick and mortar residencies. Um, specifically. Oh, okay. So I, when I say that, I mean that um, like a place where you have to go there, like a very specific, like a hospital system that has a residency versus a hybrid model, like what EIM has, where our um, academics are, are online. So you don't have to move anywhere to come to come to us a brick and mortar is a stationary place stationary location perfect perfect that's great awesome so i think we i think we had some great discussion tonight we had some great questions we had a we had a lot of questions rolling through so i'm really happy about that thank you everyone for tuning in um so yeah just on twitter you guys get back on twitter using the hashtag exchange sa uh, you know tell us what you learned from this you know tell them tell us what you're going to do in the future tell us what you learned what you, what you took what you took away from from the chat on residencies and what you find most valuable of of what you heard today so i think that's great um so just some couple announcements uh, before we, before we end off here so we're always looking for pulse contributors so if you need more information um just submit an email to pulse at apta.org uh, myself or Emilio Sel Emilia sullivan will give you guys uh we'll give you guys some more information on that and as we all know, CSM is in three days. So on behalf of the board, we're all excited to meet you and everyone who's attending. And the student assembly, we have two main events going on at CSM. So I'll highlight those for you guys right now. And this is, I think, the first time it's getting out to everyone. So the APTA student assembly game night. So that's going to be Thursday night, January 24th. And that's going to be from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. So it's more in the evening. We'll be giving out prizes. And the APTA board of directors president, Sharon Dunn, She'll be attendant, so she'll she will be in attendance. So we hope to see all of you guys there. It's going to be a really good experience, great for networking and great for just having fun in general. And then we also have our APTA Student Assembly General Membership Meeting and Reception. So that's going to be essentially our big meeting uh, of the year because we have the and we have them annually each conference, CSM Next and NSC. Um, so that's going to be Friday, January twenty fifth, from six thirty p.m. to eight thirty p.m. So it's a two hour reception. Um, the board, we're going to talk a little bit about our goals for 2019 and also our strategic plan because we have finalized our strategic plan, which we're all very happy about. And Ooh, then the rest I of the I know time, how terrible that is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're all super, super stoked about that. We worked very hard on it. So we're going to be very happy to get that out to everyone. And then the rest of the time will just be for networking. So students come in, they can network, talk to anyone that they want there. And light drinks and hors d'oeuvres, finger foods, they'll be available there, So which is great. Um, so I think someone already dropped them in the comments, but those are the Facebook events. So you can RSVP on there that you're going. You can also see who else is going on there. So you can check, check out, check out, you know, who else is going, send them DMs, you know, start linking up, start linking up with people on there, which is great. Um, and of course, you know, in general, we hope to see you in the exhibit hall as well. So we'll be usually in the middle of the exhibit hall in the APTA pavilion. So just come say hi to all of us, um, meet students from across, across the country. Um, we're super, super stoked. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys at CSM. Um, yeah. So thank you, Brooke, so much for coming on today and, uh, and you know, answering these great, great questions that we had. 
Yeah, thank you so much. And I will be at CSM as well. So um, EIM's booth is 503. Um, so I'll be in and out of there um, all week long and we'll have you know lots of other people there to be able to answer your questions from some of the other programs besides ortho as well. So um, you know, even if it's not about our program specifically, if it's just about residency and you just want someone's brain to pick, please come by um, or tweet me. I'll meet you for a coffee. Um, I'll be around all week. I get in on Tuesday. So I hope to meet some of you guys there. And thank you for all the great questions. Yeah, thank Let's you. continue this conversation. Yes, we'll definitely continue this conversation, CSM and NSC going forward. So we thank you so much. Um, everyone, enjoy the football game. I know we're kind of just getting into the heart of the football game. So <laughs> go Patriots, and we'll see you all in a couple of days. Okay? Thank you so much, everyone. Bye, guys. Safe Bye, travels to CSM. Safe travels, absolutely. Bye.